And that's why many churches look all alike. The people dress alike. They talk alike. They're in the same socioeconomic background. Why? Because they do not appreciate diversity. And yet one of the powerful testimonies of the body of Christ is when there's diversity and unity brought together. Hello and welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. Last week, we began looking at the subject of spiritual gifts in our study of Romans chapter 12. Pastor Brogy has noted that spiritual gifts are discussed in detail in four sections of Scripture, 1 Peter chapter 4, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, and the passage we're studying today, Romans chapter 12. As we pick up, Dr. Brogy gives some insight into how we can know what are our spiritual gifts. I want you to find your spiritual gift. And some of us here don't really know what our spiritual gift is. So look again at verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone, you are not to think. I hope you have the four thinks underlined. You're not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound thinking. You could write over sound judgment, sound thinking. That's literally what the word means. It would have better to have rendered it that way, I think. As God is a letter to, measured to each, given to each a measure of faith. So how do you find your gift? Well, first of all, you need to educate yourself in the gifts. Well, what does God say? Go to those four central passages, the two fours, the two twelves. Start there. You might want to take the spiritual gifts course that we offer here. I did my doctoral dissertation on the subject and the appendices of my doctoral dissertation is that course that you can take and you can download it, listen to it on your phone when you're out cutting the grass and you could, you could get an education on the subject of spiritual gifts. You might even take the exam at searchthescriptures.org. It's a 128 question exam. And it's certainly not foolproof. I'm not so silly to think that. Many people take spiritual gift inventories and they still say, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. Why? Either A, because they're still like that little baby that you're holding in your arms. And they just haven't grown enough to see what they've been made for. And some of us are just brand new Christians. And the best way for you to find your spiritual gift is just to obey what you know. And when you obey what you know, you're going to grow. And that's why we emphasize the discovery class because it's a foundational course, not only to help new believers, but people who've never been discipled. And they're the second category of people who don't know their spiritual gifts. Where you meet Christians, sometimes they've been believers for 20 or 30 years, and they don't even know there is such a thing as spiritual gifts. But again, if you're a growing Christian, your spiritual proclivity that God gave you is going to manifest itself. It's going to show itself. So think. Uh, find out what God says about this subject. So there must be, of course, earnest consecration. There must be a thoughtful evaluation where you think soberly, biblically. But third, there must be faithful cooperation. And some of us this morning would benefit from this. Some of us who already know our gifts, some who are still trying to find our gifts, and we need to understand this principle of cooperation that he begins to unfold in verse 4. He really gives us three truths in the design of the local assembly to find our spiritual gifts. First, he gives the illustration of the human body. And the illustration of the human body pictures unity. 
Um, Let me read verse 4 to you. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. So Paul is drawing a comparison here in verses 4 and 5 between the human body that you're sitting in this morning and between Christ's body, the church, the local assembly. Now, the human body, if it's healthy, is wonderfully coordinated. Every part of your body in coordination with the other parts function together. And there is an intimacy, there's a connectiveness amongst all the parts so that they all can function together. And at the top of that body, there's a head. And so it is in the church. Put out in the margin, would you, next to verse 4, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 17. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 17. You might want to turn there. It's the next book over. It's just a few pages to the right. 1 Corinthians 12. The next book after Romans is Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I know many are here today, first time without a Bible. And I understand that because you've been to churches your whole life where you don't need one. I'm not here to share my opinion today. I'm here to open God's Word. That's what's going to change your life. And if you know anything about the Corinthians... You know that their real problem was not in the discovery of their gifts, but in the exercise of their spiritual gifts. They weren't functioning as a team. They were promoting some spiritual gifts and totally ignoring other spiritual gifts. They had, as the first chapter teaches, all the gifts of the Spirit. The problem was is they were lacking in the fruit of the Spirit. And let me just say parenthetically here, It's virtually impossible to find your spiritual gift unless you are a spirit-filled person. And that's why we spent a few weeks ago, as I do from time to time, just as a fresh review, what it means for us to walk in the spirit in dependence upon the Lord. So it's virtually impossible to find your spiritual gift unless you're filled with the spirit, because until you're filled with the spirit, you're not going to grow consistently. But it is very possible, having found your spiritual gift, to exercise it not in the power of the Spirit, but in the energy of the flesh. And so someone could serve, say, in the nursery today and be miserable the whole time they're there. They're serving, but not in a Spirit-filled fashion, not in a way that really is pleasing the Lord. And so here was a church where they were exercising spiritual gifts, but in the energy of human dependence. And so here in the 12th chapter, look at verse 14. He says, for the body is not one member, speaking of your human body, but many. That's what we just read in Romans 12 and verse 4. Look at verse 15. If the foot foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any a less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Can you imagine if I were up here today trying to preach and I was just one big eyeball? I I, I couldn't say anything. I, I couldn't hear anything. But I could see you, just one big eyeball. If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? I I could hear you, but I couldn't smell you. Not that I'd want to, but still, you know. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now God, but now there are many members, but one body. Just as the human body has many members, so does the body of Christ. And a body that would be only a head or a hand or a nose would be a monster. But unfortunately, many Christians and many churches are spiritual monsters. Some members 
are trying to function in every capacity and not in the area for which God has called and gifted them to primarily. And other members don't function at all. Suppose a professional football team functioned in that way where every member just did his own thing. I can't guarantee you they would have a lousy season. Well, the local church is a team. And God calls us to function as a coordinated body. Many years ago, I brought my two oldest sons to a football game in Dallas. And someone gave me two free tickets and they had like these 50-yard seats, you know, four rows up from the bottom. And, and, you know, I had this broken down car and I pulled up into the stadium and I had this VIP parking lot. The guy kind of looked at me and it was an old Subaru. It had like 180,000 miles. The paint was all faded. The hood was dented. And I said, yes, sir, I've got VIP parking. And we went there after church. They always started the games at noon. So the spiritual Christians would usually go to church first. Anyway, we got there. We were there by halftime, and we sat there, and there were 65,000 fans in that stadium, and they were all yelling at the players and the coaches. It's really easy to do when you're warming the bleacher, when you're drinking your drink and eating your popcorn, to be the authority and to tell them how they should have done it. It's easy to say, you should have had your eye on the ball, buddy. But it's quite another thing when you're down on the field and you're taking the hits. It's easy to be the pastor of the church if you're, if you're not pastoring. It's easy to be and act like the preacher if you're not preaching. It's easy to criticize and evaluate the choir if you're not singing in it. it, it it's easy to evaluate the youth ministries if you never serve in them. It's easy to talk about how unhospitable some people are if you yourself are not hospitable. It's easy to talk about the programs that you wish you had or we should have when you're not involved anywhere. It's easy to direct the church from the bench. That's the way a lot of Christians are. But when you get into the game and you get your hands dirty and your, 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 your uniform scuffed up and you got some sweat on your brow and you take some hard hits, everything begins to change. You know, occasionally someone leaves here and a couple of months go by and we say, hey, have you seen so? No, I haven't seen them. Sure, they're not in the first service. No, no, I haven't seen them. Not in Bluffton. No, they're, they're, they're not here. Why does it take us two months to miss them? Because they're missable. They don't serve anywhere. They're a vital, they're supposed to be a vital member of the body of Christ, but they don't serve anywhere. So they're really not missed. Now we want them to be missed. And God wants you to be missed. He wants you to play a vital role in the local church. And that is first and foremost. Now we'll explore this further next time because we're going to see that some of the gifts also function not just when the church is assembled, when we are gathered, but also when the church is scattered. But nonetheless, your service, principally the New Testament teaches, comes through the local assembly. And I don't care what other ministries you may be involved in out there. The Lord Jesus, if you know your New Testament, He's going to look carefully at what you thought about His local church. And all the excuses that Christians make will not jive with him at the judgment seat of Christ. And so the illustration of the human body, it pictures unity. The illustration of Christ's body, it pictures family. It pictures family. Look now at verse 5. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. That's a powerful statement. We're individually members one of another. It's one thing to say, I belong to Jesus Christ. It's quite another thing to say, I belong to you. 
It's one thing to say, I'm related to God by faith in Christ. It's an entirely different thing to say, I'm related to you by faith in Christ. But that's what Paul is saying. If you ask the average Christian what their list of priorities, if they sound real spiritual, they'll typically say, God, family, job. And they'll look at you like there's something. But very often when they say family, they're referring only to their biological family. And the biological nuclear family is very important to God. But he's talking far more than your biological family. He's talking about your spiritual family here. Now, Paul in Ephesians, he underscores the importance of your biological family. He speaks about the roles of husbands and wives and children and fathers and so forth. But he also talks about your spiritual family. In fact, uh, before we're done here, he's going to challenge us here in this 12th chapter in verse uh, 7, how we're to serve one another. In verse 10, how we are to, to build up one another. In verse 16, how we are to preserve the unity of the faith in our spiritual family. And you need to balance your biological family with your spiritual family. And more and more Christians, because they, they want to, you know, herd their kids around and protect them, and you ought to, that's your responsibility as a protector of your kids, but they keep them from being engaged and involved and in serving in the local assembly. And I can tell you, you won't produce a healthy family if you do that. You cannot say, well, I'm just going to herd the kids in and the wife, and you know, I'm, that's my second biggest priority, but I, I'm not going to be involved in my spiritual family. You won't walk in the Spirit. You can't obey God, and if you're not walking in the Spirit, I guarantee you'll become self-focused. You'll be looking at each other, and you won't be looking at things that are really also important, things that are eternal. We're members one of another. That's what he's saying. In fact, a day is coming when you're going to leave behind your physical family. I'm not saying there won't be any vital relationships in heaven, but it will change. For instance, ladies, you're married to a man right now. You call him your husband. But do you know you will not be married to him for all of eternity? You say, praise the Lord. <laughs> no, right now he's your husband. But someday, we, the bride of Christ, we will have Christ as our husband. And so we need to understand how it is we are to relate to one another as a spiritual family. John talks a lot about this in his first epistle. Paul does in many of his epistles. He'll do it in the 12th chapter as we step through it. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, he said to Timothy, respond to older men as fathers. Treat younger men as brothers. Treat the older women as mothers and act in purity towards the younger women as your sisters. And so today we, we talk about finding a church family. Why do we use that term? Because biblically we are members one of another. And so he gives the illustration of the human body, which pictures our unity. He gives a picture of Christ's body that pictures our family. But then both of these illustrations picture mutual service. They picture mutual service. So we who are many in the body of Christ, we're still members of each other. Therefore, we need each other. God has given you a spiritual gift and you cannot function apart from the local assembly. We're dependent on each other. You know, I meet these Christians. I had one guy came down from the Bible line one day. He was waiting for me outside the admin office. And, you know, he's just ready to rail me. I said, well, where do you go to church? He said, well, I don't go to church. We have our own church. 
Oh, well, where's that? Well, my wife and me, you know, that's our church. Oh, really? Who's the pastor? I'm the pastor. So that's not a church. I'm not forsaking the assembly. We have it every Sunday. Oh, yes, you are. What, what defines a church? A Bible study? Is that a church? It's not a church. A church, it's very clear in the New Testament what a local assembly looks like. There's elders, there's deacons, there's leadership that God raises up. There's the ordinances like baptism and the Lord's Supper. We're involved in local missions in our Jerusalem and our Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. There's certain structure and included in a local church is a group of people that represents a number of different spiritual gifts that are necessary for the maturation of the body. You're not going to find in one family all the needed spiritual gifts to grow up in Jesus Christ. So God calls us to grow up. And so right after uh, the apostle speaks of leadership gifts in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, that he says are for the work of the ministry, to equip the people to do the work of the ministry, he then goes on and he says this in Ephesians 4, 15, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together, listen, by that which every joint supplies, that's you, according to the proper working of each individual part. That's me. That's all of us. This causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Every joint, every person, every individual part is important. There's people all over this building this morning that had they not been using their areas of giftedness, I would not be able to function the way I'm functioning. We are a team, we are a family, we are bound together, and you cannot do it alone. Does my hand bother you this morning? I'm sure it does not. But what if my hand were severed and it was laying on the floor? And you came in and you see Brogy's hand on the floor. You'd say, that's disgusting, Pastor. But that's the way some Christians are. They're just a lone hand out there on the floor. And they're not intricately connected to a local assembly of born-again Christians. And by the way, as you're connected, since we are members of one another, we can help each other. You see, my hand has no problem recognizing the mouth that it puts up to it. My eye is in coordination to see that we're members of one another. We function together as a body. Remember, those who are spiritual, 1 Corinthians 2.15, spiritually mature, the Bible says they discern spiritual truth. And so more spiritually mature believers in the church can look at you sometimes and say, you know, you have the gift of such and such. And we can affirm other believers and, and help them when they recognize their spiritual gift to begin to implement it and to use it in the local church. And that's important. Because sometimes, you know, a person wants to have a spiritual gift that's not theirs. And, and, and usually that's rooted in a false view of the body of Christ. Again, they think the important people are the upfront people. So they want to be an upfront person. Because they think, you know, being someone with the gift of helps or administration, or that's not that important. There are no unimportant people in the body of Christ. Every single joint is critical. So someone says, you know, God's called me to preach. And spiritual men in the church say, I don't think so. You say you have the gift of preaching, but no one has the gift of listening. You know, there, there's a disconnect there. 
And so sometimes we need to just kind of back up and, and ask, well, what do spiritual people in the church who have walked with the Lord for a longer time, what saith them? Okay, let's apply this text and we'll finish this morning. Just a couple of applications. We've only cracked the door. Verses 6 through 8 are integral to this whole discussion. Number one, membership in the church should not erase the diversity of the church. Membership in the church should not erase the diversity of the church. There's one body of Christ, but indeed many members. And just as all the members of your human body do not function identically, so neither does Christ's body. Next time we'll look at it in detail. Verse 6, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. We have grace, we have gifts that differ because God's not made us all the same. That's his point. There's diversity. And sometimes we don't appreciate diversity. You see this throughout life. Sometimes we avoid people who are not like us. We naturally hang around with people who like the same things, who have the same interests, who are in the same season of life as we are, who come to the same conclusions. We get along with people who vote the way we vote, who who like the same sports team that we like. And we think that way in the world, and sometimes we carry it right over into the church, and that's not healthy. And that's why many churches look all alike. The people dress alike. They talk alike. They're in the same socioeconomic background. Why? Because they do not appreciate diversity. And yet one of the powerful testimonies of the body of Christ is when there's diversity and unity brought together because it is a powerful testimony to an unbelieving world. And so God has made us different. In marriage, he made us different that we might be one. And in the church, God made us different so that we might share in unity. So membership in the church, we've just cracked the door on it. We'll look at it more next time. Does not erase diversity in the church. Secondly, gathering with the church is no substitute for serving in the church. Gathering together is no substitute for serving. Now, it's important, but it's no substitute. Finding your place, finding your fit in the local assembly is very important. And sometimes it's just hard work. You know, I meet Christians all the time. Well, we need someone to do such and such, and we think maybe you'd be good for it. Oh, pastor, you know, you need a substitute. Or, you know, if an usher's sick, I'll come. Or, you know, but don't ask me to do this weekly. See, that really flushes out commitment, doesn't it? You have people, I, I don't, I don't want to be committed. I mean, if you're in a jam, you can call me. I'd rather not call you because I don't want people, um, if you're in a jam kind of Christian, to serve. I understand there's going to be weeks you're going to be on vacation or visiting family. I understand that. But that should not be the pattern of your life. And you're never to reach a point in your life where you say, well, I'm just retired now. We'll let the next generation do that. Oh, no, 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 no. As the older, wiser generation, you should be passing the baton. And I am convinced as a pastor who's done over 500 funerals that God has taken some people sooner than he probably wanted to because they went into spiritual retirement. Think hard on this one, brothers. This is important. So we've developed this mentality where we're really not servants especially in the current climate of the evangelical church where we are a consumer-driven church. But Jesus said, whoever would be great among you shall be your diakon, 
your, your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your doulos, your, your bond slave. But we come to a church and we got a little checklist. Mm, no problem parking. I like this. Uh, usher friendly, okay? Uh, plenty of back seats so I can get out quick. Uh, good youth ministry so they can do for me what, you know, I'm supposed to do myself. And sermon, not too, uh, not too difficult. I feel pretty good. After. Good church. Let's go for it. Sermon, not too long. <laughs> See, a lot of us, we're just here to play. We're not serious. That's why we come once or twice and we're going, we, we want the 12, 15, 20 minute sermon. That's not Christianity. And so we're a consumer driven church. What can the church do for me? We're not really asking, what can I do for God's people? Now, some of you today who are here in Bluffton, some who are listening, some who are watching, you're on the outside because you've never been saved, and you want to be on the inside, and God wants you to be on the inside, and I want you to be on the inside, but you cannot come and serve spiritually until you've had a spiritual birth. And your first priority is to receive Jesus as Lord, to trust that what he did on his cross is sufficient to pay your sin debt. But others of you, you've entered into the kingdom, but you haven't grown much, and you need to get serious, because your life is ticking away. And the years will turn into decades, and before you know it, if Jesus doesn't come, you're going to find yourself as an old person. And you're going to look back in your life, and you're going to be disappointed because you never found the will of God that he had for you. You say, I'm already 70, and I've wasted decades. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. But today, from here on out, be different. Now, our Holy Father, we thank you today for Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of this church. He is the great shepherd. He is the good shepherd who gave himself. He is the great shepherd who intercedes for us today. And thank you, our Father, that he is the coming shepherd, that he is coming again for his people. And when he comes, we will give an account. So help us when the chief shepherd appears to be ready. Help us to be found busy serving the people of God in the local assembly. I pray today for someone, Father, who is on the outside, who needs to be saved. Help them to realize that Jesus completely, totally, eternally dealt with the sin problem. And if they will believe what you said, that whoever will call on Jesus' name will be saved, that you will do it today and forever. But help them to realize they must admit their spiritual bankruptcy, that they are a sinner worthy of hell and in need of saving. Help someone today, Father, in simple faith to say, Lord Jesus, save me. Father, help us not to lose another day. Help us not just to live our lives, but to invest our lives. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. To listen again to today's message entitled, Unwrapping Your Spiritual Gifts, use the Search the Scriptures with Carl Brogy app for smartphones and tablets, or listen online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 and requesting program ROM58. 
You can support the ministry of Search the Scriptures by calling that same number toll-free, 877-787-7478, or giving online at searchthescriptures.org or through the Search the Scriptures app. Your generous donation plays a vital role in providing biblical teaching and in helping to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you have a question you'd like to ask Pastor Brogy personally. You can do that Tuesday mornings between 11 and noon Eastern during his live call-in program, The Bible Line. Listen to The Bible Line online at wagp.net. Tomorrow we continue our look at Romans chapter 12 in a message entitled, Finding Your Place. Join us then when we search the scriptures.